Thanks. Good morning. My name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here, and I want to thank you for joining us uh, from your couches, uh, your kitchens, wherever it is that you are today. And if you are there and you are with your family, or if you are just the type of person that loves to, to draw and take notes, here's what we do. At Fellowship, we have what we call, the, we, we call a family interactive worship. And so we give a prompt to families or really anybody who uh, likes to engage with worship in a way other than just listening. And uh, we give you a little prompt to help engage you with the sermon. And today we're going to be in, a, in, in, in the Psalms and we're going to be talking about the church. And so what I want you to do is to grab a piece of paper. Uh, whatever piece of paper you have is great. Grab a pen, pencil, markers, crayons, uh, whatever you have to draw with. And I want you to draw a church. Now church can either be a building. Uh, that's what a lot of people draw when they draw a church. The Bible, when it uses the word church, refers to a group of people. So you can draw a building or you can draw a group of people. And as we go through the message today, I want you to write down words or draw pictures about what we talk about what the church is like. And so draw a picture of the church, however you want to picture it. And then as we go through the message, either write words or draw pictures of what the church is like. All right, let me pray for us and then we will dive into our message today. Jesus, I pray that you use this time uh, you use this time as we are talking through um, cameras and as we're talking through screens to do what only you can do, and that is to enlighten us to your word and to your truth. Father, would you uh, send your Holy Spirit to change us? Change me as I'm, as I'm preaching from your word. Change us as we are listening to your word being taught, and may we leave this time together uh, worshiping you in more truth, worshiping you in more spirit. And Father, may we leave this time together with more faith and trust in Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, like I said, my name is Fred, and I am very glad uh, that you have joined us today. I hope, uh, I hope we've gotten lots of snow and that you are, have already been out in the snow and you're enjoying a hot cup of coffee or hot chocolate and you're going to go back out there again. And since you're here, let me ask you a question. Have you ever uh, taken a family vacation, right? Have you ever taken a vacation and uh, had what you considered to be reasonable expectations about that vacation, right? Like, like maybe you expected to rest on vacation. However, the vacation was to Disney World with little kids, and so it's a great vacation, but rest really doesn't happen. Or maybe you're a kid and, 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 or a student or, or even an adult, really, and, and you expect the hotel that you stay at to have a pool. You, you, read the, you read the information. It has a pool. It has a picture of the pool on the website, and it is beautiful. And you, like, you can't wait to get there. You expect to be able to sit by the pool and relax and go swimming, but you get there and the pool is closed. Bummer right? Let me ask you, have you ever come to church with expectations? Like, have you ever come to church with expectations that you consider uh, to be reasonable expectations, but only to discover they're like that closed pool and those expectations, even though they're reasonable, aren't met? Well, today, in the psalm that we're going to be in, we're going to see our traveler show up to Jerusalem. And show up to the temple. 
And that's where they had worship. Now, in ancient Israel, uh, they, that's where they would worship is in the, in the temple. You know, we use the word church, all right, because that's what, that's what we do. That's where we gather together for worship. We're going to see our traveler show up to church. And today we're going to see them arrive with a certain set of, of expectations. And through them, through their eyes and through their words and through their experience, we're going to get to see how to respond when our expectations aren't met, right? Through them, we're going to be able to see what happens when what I expect from church isn't what I experience at church, right? Now, listen, I know I'm the preacher. I'm the lead pastor here at Fellowship Asheville. I want to tell you right from the start, there is no offense here. I assume that you have expectations that as a church we haven't and maybe even can't meet, right? I assume that Fellowship Asheville does not meet all of your expectations. I'm going to let you in a little secret, right? Like Fellowship Asheville, this church doesn't even meet all of my expectations, right? Now, in some ways, in many ways, this church has blown my expectations out of the water, but not not all. So let me ask you, why are you here today? Why, why did you join in today? Why are you listening in today? Now, I don't, I don't mean this to be some existential question about why are you here, right? right? I mean, why are you here at church? And like I said, church isn't a building. It's a gathering of people. And, and, and typically, that's a gathering of people in, in person, uh, but as COVID has taught us, and, and, and now as the snow day is here, like, like we can still gather as the church in unique and creative ways like this. And so why, why are you here? Why are you joining us online? Now, I'm going to give a couple of reasons. What I'd love for you to do is to, is to just leave a comment. Why are you here today? Why are you joining in today? Are, are you joining in uh, because you want to be here? Because like this is where your friends are. You, you have people you know here. You have people that, that you live life together with here, right? Do you, do you come here? Do you gather with us for the church, whether, whether in person, when we're able to meet in person or online? Do you gather together because, because you want to worship God here? Do you, do you gather here because you want to spiritually grow with us? Do you gather here because you want to use your gifts to, to help make this church a better church and to help make this community that we're in, the city that we're in, a, a better city? You know, are you here because you have a drug problem, right? Like, like your parents or someone in your house woke you up out of bed and drug you into the living room, right, to, 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 to watch this. Is that why you're here? Or are you here because this is just what you do Sundays at 10, right? Are you here because... Uh, tradition? Are you here because of, of habit? What's your reason for being here? Please do. I would love to know. Chime in. Chime in and let us know. And with that, with that reason why you're here, with your expectations as to why you come here, turn to Psalm 122. And we're in a series called Coming Home as, as we work our way through what, what, we, what we've kind of uh, come to know as the road trip playlist right, of, of the, the nation of Israel as they traveled from the place that they lived to the, to the place that they called their true home, the city of Jerusalem, the temple, to their, to their relationship with God, 
right? Each psalm, each song emphasizing a different type of person that's on this journey. And in doing so, we get to see that with Jesus, there really is a place for anybody. That's why the, the, the graphic for this series is a table full of chairs and, and the table so long, we don't even see the end of it because with Jesus, there is a place for anybody. That's why we have these chairs up here. Because these chairs represent those that we are praying for to either join us on this journey with Jesus or to, to, to join us for, like for the first time or to join us again, those who have kind of wandered, wandered off. Now, sometimes I wonder, too, if these chairs represent folks who have left the church or folks who have never even stepped into a church because their expectations of the church weren't even met. All right, well, let's see what... What Jesus can teach us about when what we expect from church isn't what we, can, what we experience through the psalm. Look at Psalm 122, verse 1. It says this. It says, a, a song of the ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, what's interesting is this song of ascent, this psalm of ascent, uh, does have this little notation that's of David. This is, this is one of four psalms of ascent that David wrote, right? And so, so, so what would happen... Uh, for these songs is that, is that people often made the journey from the place that they lived to, the, to Jerusalem, the place they called home. They made this journey in groups of people, right? And, and we see this in the New Testament. This happened when Jesus was 12. His parents were, were going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. They were with a group of people. They had celebrated Passover. They were coming back. And as they were coming back, it came supper time and they realized Jesus wasn't with them. Now, oftentimes I have read that passage being like, what kind of parents were Mary and Joseph to not even realize that their kid wasn't with them? Well, if they're traveling in a group, it's real easy to think that, oh, Jesus is with his cousins or, or you know, with the friends down the street. And, and then when it came time to eat, that's when kids show up, right? Well, they knew Jesus would show up when it was time to eat. And when he didn't, that's when they got worried. And so they headed back to Jerusalem and found him in the temple with the teachers, Right? Well, in this psalm, Psalm 122, our churchgoer, that's what, that's what I'm going uh, to call this person, our churchgoer is invited to join one of those groups. Right? And they say, they say, let us go to the house of the Lord. And we see that, that this invitation, his response was gladness. He was like, woo, road trip. Yeah, let's do it. Right? Now, it's not just any road trip. It's a road trip to go to Jerusalem to worship. It's a, it's a road trip to to, to seeing these psalms of ascent as they go. Well, look at verse 2. It's no shocker here. Verse 2 says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And so, so verse 1 looks back to when there was an invitation in verse 2 is now he has shown up, right? Now she has shown up in, in Jerusalem. Our, our, our churchgoer is there. And what we're going to see through their eyes is, is they make some really good observations about, about what's happening in Jerusalem. And we also get to see some of their expectations of what they will encounter, what they hope to encounter when they're in Jerusalem. Look at, look at verse 3. It says, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. Now we're reading from the, from the NIV, I mean, we're reading from the ESV. The NIV translate, translates that as, as closely compacted together, right? So, so our traveler arrives, our churchgoer arrives in Jerusalem and they see the city of Jerusalem and they see houses that are, that are compacted tightly with one another, even, even kind of stacked on top of each other. Right? And, and so he sees like this tight 
community, this tight-knit community. Now, now many commentators, right, people who have studied the Bible and studied the original language much, much more than I have, they are of the opinion that he's not only, that this churchgoer, that she's not only describing what she sees with her physical eyes, she's also describing what she sees with her spiritual eyes. This is David, so we know it's a he, right? But this churchgoer goes into Jerusalem and and, and they see this city compacted together and it reminds them of something that is true about Jerusalem, right? That, that this city, this place that they call home, it's connected together and it is a place of unity. And it's kind of this first expectation that our churchgoer has, right? That it is godly unity, right? This expectation that there is godly unity here. Now, now unity is defined as being whole, right? Like spelt with a W, W W-H-O-L-E, right? It means to be complete. It doesn't mean to be the same. It doesn't mean to be identical. That's what that would be. Like, have you ever driven through a neighborhood and every house and every yard looks identical, right? You don't think that's a unified community. You think that's a creepy community, right? That's what, that's what it is when everything is the same. It, it kind of wigs you out a little bit. That's not what our churchgoers seeing. That's not what David is trying to capture in this psalm. What he's trying to capture is that, is that as this person makes this journey into Jerusalem, they see this city that is unified. They see this city that is, that is compacted together. And so our traveler looks at Jerusalem and sees all kinds of houses, different houses, but they're together. And our traveler sees and expects unity. Well, look at verse 4. It says this. In verse 4, it says, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. And so now, now our traveler is looking, and he's looking at the people. So he was looking at the houses. Now he's looking at the people, and not only does he see the city being together, he sees all kinds of people there, right? There are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel, and each one of them kind of have their own different personality, right? Each tribe was different in its own way. Some were noble, right? Some were, some were farmers. Some were scrappy warriors, right? Some were priests. And so they all are there, but why are they there? Look at the rest of verse 4. It says, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And so all these tribe, each, each tribe, they knew who they followed, and they knew what their orders were, right? They knew they were tribes of the Lord. They knew they were tribes of Jehovah. And, and, and they knew that God's word, the scriptures had said they were to make this journey three times a year to worship from the place that they live to the, to the place that they call home. They belonged to the Lord and they followed his commands. That God's word said that they were to gather together for worship from wherever they were. And so that's what they did. Each tribe, different, uh, very different in some ways, yet gathering together. It is this beautiful picture of unity, that unity is diversity coming together for the same purpose, right? And for them, it was to worship God. Different people coming together for one purpose. And the response that David notes is that when this happens, there is thankfulness. And then there's another thing. In verse 5, it says this, It says, their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David, right? Now, thrones are a picture of judgment, right? They're a picture of being able to to discern and to decide and to judge between what is right and wrong and good and evil. 
In Revelation, God is sitting on the throne of judgment and, and, and a king would sit on the throne and, and make declarations about what is right and wrong and good and evil. And in the Jewish context, this judgment came from God's word, right? It came from the Bible. It came from, from the law. And so you see, our, our churchgoer expects unity. Our churchgoer also has this expectation of judgment, right? It's not only godly unity, but another expectation is godly judgment. And, and, and I'm using the term judgment. What I would love for you to do is if you can think of a better word for judgment, I would love it. I pulled out the sources like I was trying to find a better word that captured it. Judgment was the closest I could get. But as I describe this, if you can come up with a better word, feel free to type it in and, 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 and let me know. Because what our traveler expects is to show up to Jerusalem. Now remember, David wrote this, but he's writing it for travelers of all kinds, men and, and women and kids and students, and that they would expect that they, when they come to Jerusalem, there would be unity, right? There'd be different people, different tribes gather together, and then there would be this proper assessment of what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, and that that is that godly judgment. Now let me ask you, anybody else expect that when you come to church, right? You expect to see diverse types of people, right? Poor people, rich people, um, uh, people of different ethnicities, right? Coming together for one purpose, to worship God. And then when they come together to worship God, there is this, this standard and this declaration of what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. There is an opportunity to, to, to see yourself in light of that and to confess and repent, which, which basically means to declare that God's word is true and that you're going to live your life in line with that, more in line with it than when you came in. That's what, that's what repentance is. Maybe you expect that when you, when you come to church, when you come to a place like Fellowship Asheville. Now, here's what I love about this song. If this psalm ended right here at verse 5, like, like that would be it, right? That would be, what we, that, would, that would be what we strive for. That would be what we look for. And if we don't see it, we'd go down the street to the next one. Like if the traveler didn't see that in Jerusalem, they would go find another Jerusalem. A new, they, would, they would keep making this journey over and over again. And what I love about this psalm is that it doesn't stop at verse 5. It keeps going. Because listen, y'all, the reality is even though your expectations are unity and judgment, right? Godly unity, godly judgment. Perfection is reserved for heaven. And we get to have a taste of that, but we aren't perfect. And we strive for those things. We strive for unity. We strive, for, we strive to, to know the difference between what is good and, and, and evil and right and wrong, but we are learning. And so, so if you are looking for a place of perfection right, then this psalm would end right here, but it doesn't. Just like it didn't for David, who was the king of Israel, right? He wrote more. Look at what he writes in verse 6. Verse 6 says this. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. As I, as I studied this and, and, and kind of took this psalm apart and looked at it, it's like, okay, if, if, if David sees and if the traveler sees this unity and diversity and judgment, like the thrones are set, why pray for the peace of Jerusalem? And I think it's this. I think it's because it's like what I just said. Like, like this picture in verses 1 through 5 is a picture of perfection. And then the reality is a little bit 
sometimes a whole lot less than that. And so the traveler steps in and, and they pray for the peace of Jerusalem because this word peace is a real interesting word. Like, like why pray for peace? Is it because the Jerusalem is always under attack? Maybe because they sure were. You read the history books and man, Jerusalem was always, in, in, uh, not always, but oftentimes attacked by outsiders and oftentimes in war. But, but the word that's used for peace is this deeper peace than just a respite for more. The, the word that you, David uses for peace, the word that David uses to say pray for the peace of Jerusalem is the word shalom, right? And it means wholeness. It means complete. It's actually a really hard word to define because we don't really have proper English to define it. The, the way I like to think about it is kind of like 3D peace, right? Like, like it's, it's like peace, not in two-dimensional, but three-dimensional peace because it's peace with God is what he prays for Jerusalem. Peace with each other is what he prays for Jerusalem and peace with those around them, with, with others. And so it's this, this whole idea of, of, of being in, 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 in peace with God and yourself, peace with others and your, you know, those around you and yourself, and then peace with those outside of Jerusalem and yourself. It is, it is this whole idea of peace, and that's what he prays for. Look at the rest of verse 6. He says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they may be secure who love you, Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Now, what he uses here is he uses a different word for peace. He said, pray for the shalom of Israel. And then he says, pray for for a a specific type of peace here, a peace of rest, a peace of quiet, and a peace of ease. In other words, the psalmist here, David, and as the the travelers would sing this song, they would sing uh, for Israel to just calm down a little bit, right? Like when our kids were little, we had this phrase, we're like, okay, just simmer, simmer for a minute, right? Like when, when somebody would have an outburst or, or, or somebody, like the, the emotional response was way beyond what the, uh, the problem was, right? We'd be like, okay, just simmer. We'd tell ourselves, Fred, just simmer, simmer for a little bit so I can engage well, right? Like the psalmist David and the people that traveled would be singing for Israel to calm down. Here's why. I can just imagine it. Like, like the whole nation is gathering there in Jerusalem. There is this hustle and this bustle and this movement around. And it's really easy, right? Like when you get caught up in a crowd to get frantic and to forget the reason why you're there. It's, it's, it's when Jesus showed up to Mary and Martha's house. And, 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 and Martha tells Jesus, hey, she's just sitting there, right? Mary's just sitting there at your feet, just learning. Tell her to help me. Like, there's stuff to do. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, it's okay. She chose the right thing. And the psalmist is looking at the city of Jerusalem. Hey, let's, let's remember. We're here to worship. We're here to, to be together. We're here to unify. Let there be peace here. Right? Look, look at what else he does. It says, for my brothers... In companion's sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will, I will seek your good. Now, here's what's interesting. When David walked into Jerusalem and expected godly unity and expected godly judgment, and he saw something less than perfection, like we all would, like we all do when we walk into church, Right? He did something very 
very powerful. And through doing that, he's encouraging the travelers who would sing the song to do something very, very powerful. He's encouraging you and me to do something very, very powerful. They made a choice, right? Our churchgoer made a choice. He could have said, well, let's just wait until things get better. Right? Let's just wait until things get more perfect. He could have said, let's wait until perfection, and then, then, then I'll, I'll come back. Right? The, the traveler could have said, listen, let's just go find another temple. Like, we passed the hills. Remember that in the last psalm? I looked to the hills. Like, I saw some temples up there. Let's go see what those gods have to offer. But instead, our churchgoer made a very specific and I think very powerful, very godly, very spirit-filled, one that you need Jesus to do, choice. And he said, I will speak peace. I will seek your good. Why? Because God is worthy. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. In other words, he's saying, listen, I will bring shalom to Israel. I will bring peace to the place where I worship. I will seek your good. I will be the one that brings what is good and right. Not for me, but for your sake. I, for your sake, I will seek good. Because God has done this for me. Because the Lord has done this for me. That's the main idea of this psalm, right? It's Jerusalem. is this place of godly unity and godly judgment, right? And the further in I get, the more that I see that perfection isn't there. So what do I do? I will speak peace and I will seek good. But what does this mean for us when the church that we expect isn't the church that we experience? What does it mean when church doesn't meet your expectations? How do, we, how do we answer this question, why am I here? Well, can I give you some things to consider based on this? And it's this. Let Jesus define your expectations instead of your preferences defining your expectations. You see, why are we here? Like, why are you watching right now? Why are you listening right now? And if today wasn't a snow day, why would many of you be gathered here in person right now? Because Jesus is here, right? He's the one that said, where, where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Now, how many of you are gathered here in the name of Jesus, right? I would hope all of us are. And if not, I invite you to trust in the name of Jesus, to trust in the person of Jesus and to dedicate your life to following him. Because when we do, he is here. And if Jesus is here, we get to let him shape what our expectations look like when we, when we come together. We get to let him shape what happens when we get here. Now, y'all, this choice of the churchgoer, this, church, this choice that, that David wrote about, that we can all make, this gospel-centered, Jesus-filled life, like we get to make this similar, similar choice, right? We get to say, when what Jesus has done for me, I will do for you because he has given me peace. I am going to bring peace into this place because he has sought my good. I will seek your good. I will speak peace and I will seek peace. 
good for you. As Jesus has done for me, I will do for you. Like, like y'all, if y'all remember all the way back to Genesis when we talked about this idea of agape love and, and we talked about it in 1 Corinthians, that the best way to capture agape love is this idea that as God has loved me, as Jesus has loved me, I will love you. And when you do that, you will bring peace with you. You will bring unity. You will bring this godly judgment of what is right and what is wrong based on the word of God. You will, you will bring seeking the good for the other person, not for your, own, uh, for your own well-being, but for the well-being of the other. Like one commentator said that even the fact that, that, that David looked to Jerusalem and he saw unity, which is kind of the role of the priest, and he saw judgment on the throne, which is the role of the king. Like in other words, he, he was painting this picture that only Jesus could fulfill. Because in Jerusalem, you weren't supposed to have one person be the the king and the priest of Israel. That title rests on only one person, and that is Jesus. Right? That Jesus alone can have that title of, of priest and king. And when we look for it in any other place, we're going to be disappointed. Right? See, if we let Jesus shape our expectations, we can experience something very different when we come together in this place. Because you see, Jesus lived and breathed God's word. He, he modeled the life of a follower of God so that we could see what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. He taught us what the kingdom of God is like. And he showed us what unity and, and judgment look like. And it's not based on our preferences. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that this church isn't based on my preferences, right? That it isn't based on the preferences of the elders, that it isn't based on the preferences of the staff, but it's based on God's word, at least to the best of our ability. And, and, and with that, when we look to Jesus to shape our expectations of church, you and I can ask ourselves these simple questions when we engage with the church, whether it's Fellowship Asheville or any church. And it's these simple things. Does the church teach and hold to God's word? I would like to think Fellowship Asheville, the answer to that is yes. We strive for that. Does the church strive to, to live like Jesus lived and encourage others to do the same? I would hope we could answer yes to that too. Our truth, grace, forgiveness, compassion, mercy, and justice seen in the leadership of the church. I would hope we could answer yes to that too. Because that's what Jesus did. See, and if you as a churchgoer can say yes to those things, yes, not perfection, remember? We got verse 6 after verse 5, right? Then we can do what David wrote about. We could do what our churchgoer does, and it's this. We get to be the church instead of condemning the church. Now, what I love about this is there is this implied kind of special grace in this song that our churchgoer shows up seeing an image of judgment and unity and, and yet experiencing something different, yet they pray for peace, right? Instead of saying that they, whoever they are, need to bring what is good, our churchgoer says, I will bring what is good. Notice there's no blame. There's only acceptance. There's, there's, there's no saying what they should do. There's only this declaration of what I will do. Our churchgoer says, that he will do these things. He says, he says, I will speak peace and I will seek good. Now, y'all, I hate doing this. Like, speaking of expectations, I expected to be able to do this with people in the room, right? Uh, because this is one of those rare occasions where I think, as a church, 
I can speak to you as a pastor about something very specific that I've seen that, that I think we've just kind of learned through the habit of going through COVID through, through COVID, because we've been through two years basically of, of isolation. And some of you are still in isolation because of your health. And, and I get it, right? We're all kind of isolated right now because we're snowed in, right? But what happens when the snow melts? What happens when we come back in here to worship together again. Can I tell you something that I've continued to see as we've gone through this pandemic, that we've all become a little more self-focused, right? We've all become a little more aware of the space around us, right? When somebody gets within that three to six foot range, we all kind of take a step back. Right? We're, we're, we're all kind of physically distancing. We're all kind of keeping to the people in our bubble. Like, like as a church, we've always had this, this part of our core and this part of our DNA, which I'm super thankful for, that Jesus has made us a church of, of real people living real lives. And you can engage here truly no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. Uh, this place has been a place of healing for many, many people. And, and, and y'all, not for everyone, but for many people. And I am thankful, I am humbled, I am amazed by that. However, something has changed since COVID, right? Before COVID, it was very common where the stranger was welcomed in as family. That's kind of the biblical idea of hospitality. It's actually the biblical word, the Greek word, it's stranger and family put together. Because that's what hospitality does. It makes the stranger, it makes the new person feel like family. And, and i got to be honest, this has suffered for us as a church. There's been a shift. I think maybe we think someone else will do it. Maybe Amy will do it. Maybe, maybe Matt will do it. Maybe Fred will do it. Like if we see a person sitting alone, somebody will talk to them. It doesn't need to be me. Right? It's their job. It's the staff's job. Or maybe, even worse, we don't even notice the stranger anymore because we come in and it's been two years and we all kind of feel like strangers. Right? I think because the world has stopped inviting people over for dinner, we've kind of stopped inviting people to do anything. And this psalm starts with an invitation. Remember? It starts with an invitation. It said, hey, come with us. And the response to that invitation was gladness. It was joy. Now, what I wanted to do was this little experiment here. So kind of picture yourself in this room, right? In your normal seat, because we all have normal seats, right? We all have the place that we sit. And I want you to picture yourself sitting in those seats. And I want you to think about the people that are sitting around you. And I want you to think, in the, in the entire room, are there people that you don't know? Chances are you would have raised your hand. In the section that you sit in, are there people you don't know? Chances are you would have raised your hand. If I would have said in the row that you sit in, the row in front of you and the row behind you, are there people you don't know? You probably would have raised your hand. And my question is, what if that was different? What if, what if instead of the greeters greeting people, what if every person that walked in in this door realized that they are a person who can bring peace and seek the good of the other person. That they are a person who can not only say hi to the people in front of them or behind them, but could actually get to know them. That could actually invite them to join them at the park, to join them on the playground right out here in the parking lot. That could enjoy, invite them to, 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 to do something that they're already doing together. Now for those of you who, who, who are watching right, right now, right? Let me ask you this question. 
You're sitting there. You're probably in your pajamas. I'm probably in my pajamas watching this right now, right? Like, has comfort become too big for us as a church? Like, are we just getting comfortable doing what we can? As a church, we've never valued convenience, right? It's not that we necessarily value inconvenience either, but we don't value convenience. But yet we keep bumping up against this this notion of comfort. What What would happen if that was different? What would happen if even if you're an introvert, you set your goal to meet one person at church? What would happen is even if you're an extrovert, you set your goal to meet one new person this Sunday and remember their name for next week, right? What would, what would happen is that church would be a place where the broken are healed. Church would be a place where the stranger becomes family. And y'all, listen, listen, I, I, I want you to know, like, I get it. I'm right there with you. We had somebody over for dinner uh, a couple of weeks ago my wife and I, we were like, I don't know that we've had like someone over for dinner in almost two years. Like we've gone out to eat at restaurants with people. We've, we've been outside with people. But, but to have someone in our home, it was, it's like been almost two years. And we had to remember how to do it. Like we were like, okay, are the dishes clean? Like is there enough dishes? Is there enough forks? Like, like we had to get in the mindset again of what it was like to engage with people. And y'all, I get it. As a church, we're remembering what it's like to be the church. And y'all, let me encourage you through this song. Pray for the church. Seek peace with the church. And seek good for the benefit of the other. See, last week something really cool happened that I got to see uh, a, a woman uh, was coming to church. She's, she's been going through a period of grief and, and she was coming to church and she reached out to a family and said, hey, I'm coming to church on Sunday. I need y'all to go have lunch with me. She didn't ask. I mean, she did ask because she's sweet, but the way she asked was saying, I need you to go to church with me, would you? And of course the family said yes. You know, what would happen? What would happen if we all did this? If we all said, hey, I need you to go for a walk with me. I need you to go to lunch with me. I need you to, to, to come over and let's, 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 let's pop popcorn and, and let's watch a movie. Like, like what would happen if we all took it upon ourselves to, seek, to speak peace and to seek good? What if, what if we all decided to be the church? Like I said, the, the stranger would feel like family. The weary would find rest. The broken would be healed. That Jesus, our leader and our, 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 our teacher and our savior would be exalted. And, and listen, if you're a regular watcher online, you're not off the hook, right? Like what would happen if you engaged a little bit more and became an online host or an online prayer host or, or, or engaged a little bit more? What would happen if you just said, hi, I'm here? And I want to leave you with, with these words from Paul in the book of Galatians. He says in Galatians 6, Verses 9 through 10, he says, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good, right? At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Starting starting with the, the people closest to us in the community of faith. 
And so those we pray for will join us. Like, that's what I'd love to see. Like, like these empty chairs and the people they represent, I want them to join this journey with Jesus. You see, and I believe they will do that when we make the choice to speak peace and to seek good, when we pray for that peace. And so church, I say it every week and it is true. I love you and I love being the church with you. Now, based on all of who Jesus is, Let's be the church together. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are good and you love us. And I pray that, that the, the words that I speak and in the, in the, in the scriptures that I taught, I pray that you would use them to your glory. And Father, anything um, that is, is self-promoting, anything that is, that is not of you, I pray that you would just let those words just kind of fall from our memory and what would hold true are your words, your words of praying for peace, your words of seeking the good of the other, and that you would be glorified in it. In Christ's name I pray, amen.